The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. So, can I read to you a passage of scripture from uh, Luke chapter 24, the Resurrection Sunday? And, uh, and this is what it says. Now on the first day of the week, every very early in the morning, certain women came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. The stone was rolled away. I love that. The stone was rolled away. Then they went in and did not find the body of Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed by this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, this is the angel said to the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. But is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and all to the rest. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. You know, a few years ago, Anne and I had the incredible privilege of actually going to Jerusalem. And we went and visited the garden tomb. And, um, and this is the tomb where they say Jesus was buried. When we went inside, there was a big sign. And the sign said, He is not here. He is risen. And do you know what? Ours is the only belief in the world where the person that started it does not have a place where his bones are buried. The place where Jesus was buried contains no bones because he is not there. He rose from the dead. And on, 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 on this day, on this Sunday, on this Resurrection Sunday, we're here to celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. Can anybody say amen to that? We're here to celebrate Jesus today. We're here to declare Jesus. See, Easter is about Jesus. And Life Source Church is about Jesus. Matter of fact, the reason we called our church Life Source is because Jesus is the source of life. He is the source of life here. He's the source of eternal life. The Bible is all about Jesus. Matter of fact, every book of the Bible is about Jesus. In Matthew, he writes and he says, He shall be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. In Mark, he's the humble servant. In Luke, he's the perfect human. In John, he's the resurrection and the life. In Acts, he is the ascended Lord. In Romans, he's the God of righteousness. In 1 Corinthians, he's the one who defeated death. In 2 Corinthians, he is the one who seats on the judgment seat. In Galatians, he is the one 
who lives in me. In Ephesians, He's the head of the church. In Philippians, He's the one who supplies all your needs according to His riches in glory. In Colossians, He's the one who has delivered us from the powers of darkness. In 1 Thessalonians, He's the coming King. In 2 Thessalonians, He's the one who judges those who do not obey the gospel. In 1 Timothy, He is God manifest in the flesh. In 2 Timothy, He is the one who remains faithful. In Titus, He's the great God and Savior. In Philemon, He is the one who paid our debt. In Hebrews, He's the great high priest. In James, He is the great shepherd. In 1 Peter, He is the great shepherd. In 2 Peter, He is the beloved son. In 1 John, He is the word of life. In 2 John, He is the abiding truth. In 3 John, He is our health and prosperity. In Jude, He is the only wise God. And in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who is the bright and morning star, the one who holds the keys of Hades and of death, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he who is dead but is alive forevermore, Jesus Christ, the King of kings. Come on, let's stand and shout a bit this morning because His name is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father that He is Lord. Let's sing it together. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name. Matter of fact, the team can be seated as well. This morning, we're, we're just here to lift up the name of Jesus. And I can't think of a better time to lift up the name of Jesus than at Easter time, where we celebrate his death and resurrection. And later on uh, today, in, our, in this service, we are going to have five people get baptized. And uh, what a great thing. Oh, the Easter bunnies come back in again. How exciting. You thought you could run down the aisle and be incognito. But uh, we see you. Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 21, verse 5 says, He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. What a wonderful thing it is to get a fresh start. 
What a wonderful thing it is to get a new start. I think for all of us, there are things in our past that we're ashamed of. I don't think there's anyone here that doesn't have any regrets. I don't think there's anyone here that, man, if I had to do it again, I'd do it differently. You know, Anne, Anne and I are um, middle-aged now, and I'm 59. She's much younger than I am. But when, when you look back, there are certainly things that you regret. There are certainly things that you wish that if you had another chance, you might do it differently. And, and I think we're all like that. But the great story of the resurrection is that God gives us another chance. God gives us a fresh start. And the resurrection is all about this new life. It's, it's this new start. And, and it's all about this, this Jesus that rose from the dead with new life, new body. And, and he wants to give you a new start. It's all about hope, that you can live in hope. That it doesn't matter how bad things are, it's not the end. It's an amazing thing how on Friday, the disciples were depressed. On Friday, they, you know, this is the thing, is that they'd been with Jesus for three years, but didn't get a lot of what Jesus said. <laughs> Some of you have been to this church for three years and still don't get a lot of things that I say. You know, it's like, phew, straight over the top. So, so here was Jesus trying to communicate to them you know what, I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise from the dead. They didn't get it. They weren't excited about it because for them, they'd never seen it before. And so, and so again, you know, they, they, they were coming from a mindset that believed that the Messiah was going to usher in a new reign for Israel. So, so during the days of Jesus, you know that the Roman Empire was controlling the world and, and, and everyone was under subjection to the Roman Empire. And here's the Jewish people saying, the Messiah is going to come and vanquish Rome and we're going to be a world power again. And they felt that Jesus was going to do that. So they were not only excited about the spiritual power that Jesus had, and yes, in the heavenlies and the supernatural and the healing and all that sort of stuff. They were looking for the physical power. They were looking for Jesus to vanquish Rome. And you know that this is so true because even on the day of ascension, so when's this going to happen? So, so this vanquishing of Rome, even on the day of ascension, they still didn't get it. They were saying, when, when is it going to happen? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the seasons or the times. And, and this is up to God. And, and, and so he was trying to communicate to them that his kingdom was not going to be a kingdom of this world, but a totally different kingdom. And so when he died, what happened to the disciples is that they lost all hope. They kind of felt, wow, we put our trust in this man that we thought was the Messiah. He's dead now. And so did, did anything he say, that was, was any of it true now that he's dead? And so they were so depressed. They were just, they, they were lost. They were, you know, they're wanting to go back to their old vocations. They were, they, were, they were ready to chuck it all in. And Resurrection Sunday was Jesus appearing to them and saying, no, everything that I said was true. I rose from the dead to prove that every single word that I spoke to you is true. And the life that actually gave me this power to be released from the dead, I'm going to give it to you. And I love what Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Read that with me because it's such a powerful little verse that's just hidden there in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 11 that I just love. And it says this, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. I understand this because if there was ever an event that unleashed the powers of hell was the event to try to keep Jesus dead. You can imagine the devil saying, hey, listen, we've got to put all of our efforts, all of our energies just for one thing. Let's put our concentration on one thing. We cannot let Jesus escape from death. We've got him now. We've had him for three days. We cannot let him rise from the dead. Let's everybody, let's, let's put our concentration caps on. You can imagine all the devils putting their concentration caps on. You can imagine the enemy just concentrating. We've got to keep him. And, and you know what? They weren't able to do so. All the powers of hell could not keep Jesus dead. He smashed that. He broke the powers of death. He smashed death. He was able to laugh at death and say, death, where is your victory? You were defeated. And so this is what Paul says. He says that that same power that was able to vanquish hell, that same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you. Are you kidding me? Is available to you. That's power. And it's able to quicken, to bring to life your mortal bodies, able to do something supernatural in your life. Come on, there is nothing, there is nothing that can stop God from accomplishing what he wants to do in your life, except for you. You're the only one that can get in God's way. You know why? Because God's given you something called free will. It's the gift of God, free will. And, and, and I'm telling you that, uh, that, that if, if you allow your will to connect with God's will, power is released in your life. This is one of the things that Anne and I have discovered in our lives, that when our will and God's will merge together, power is released in our lives because nothing can hinder what God wants if I want it. And so when I connect with God, something powerful begins to happen. And some of you are here today because this is what you desire. Some of you are here today because you feel this call, this drawing of God saying, I'm going to release power in your life. The enemy has been squashing you for too long. The enemy has been suppressing you for too long. The enemy has been stealing from you for too long. He goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom it can devour. The thief comes only but to rob, to kill and to destroy. But Jesus has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus has come that you might have resurrection resurrection life and vanquish the powers of the enemy that you might live a conquering life. This is the new start that God wants to give to you. See, some of you, the spirit of death comes knocking at your door and the spirit of death will lie to you and say, the only way out of this is to die. The only way out of this is to press delete on life. The only way out of this is to come into my kingdom without telling you that when you go into his kingdom, he controls you for eternity. And he's Jesus on the other side saying, don't you listen to the enemy. Don't you listen to the spirit of death because it's the opposite of who I am. I'm the spirit of life. I've come to give you life. I've come to give you abundant life. Resist the enemy and he will flee from you. Don't give in to the powers of darkness, but come to the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is the light of the world. And so Resurrection Sunday 
is, is, is the centerpiece of the church where death was defeated, darkness was defeated, the devil was defeated, the powers of hell was defeated, and it's, and it's, it's the, the exclamation mark for you that God has the power to give you a new start, a new beginning, to wipe away everything from your past and give you a fresh start. How awesome is that? Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. If anyone is in Christ, everybody say in Christ. Because that's, that's the key point here. It's being in Christ. It's not just believing in Christ. It's being in Christ. And so what's the definition of being in Christ? Here it is. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. You're together. You're united. So, so you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And later on this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to open your heart and let Christ come inside of you spiritually. There's a spiritual connection when you open up your heart and let Christ come in you. That's when you become in Christ because Christ is in you and you are in Christ and when that happens, something incredibly powerful happens to you. Why is that? Because you walk through this world with a spiritual force upon you. It's the force of the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, that you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit abides within you. God dwells within you. You become a spiritual force. So what God wants to do is that he wants to remove the old things from you and give you new things. Take away the junk and give you the treasure. Some of you have got junk in your life. They're called old things. And God wants to replace it with treasure. It's called new things. And so he says, but I've got to make you a new creation. And so those that are in Christ are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what's some of the junk? What's some of the old things? Let me, let me give you some of the junk, okay? It's called the sin nature. We're born with it. How many of you know that you don't have to teach your kids to do good? How many parents have we got here? Give me a wave. How many of you sat down and taught your kids how to steal? How many of you worked out that your kids do that just out of their nature? Do you know... We, we, we had three kids. They're all grown up now. But I, when I discovered this, I mean, Anne and I got married. Four weeks after we got married, we became pastors. So when our kids came along, they were born into a pastor's home. And, so, and, and it's normal for pastors to tell the truth, to not steal, to not lie, to not cheat. And so that's the sort of things that we taught our kids. And so I was, I was sharing in the first meeting, the first time I discovered the sin nature in my kids was, was I was babysitting my son, who was maybe two or three years at the time. And, and I'm a, I like chocolate. Anne likes chocolate. All our kids like chocolate. But Stephen wasn't allowed any chocolate. But there was chocolate in the fridge. And we said, Stephen, don't eat the chocolate. Then I go in, into my study and I'm working away and everything goes quiet. How many of you parents know when things go quiet? It's danger time. How many of you know that? So I thought, oh, I wonder what Stephen's up to. So I walk out and there's chocolate fingerprints on the corridor walls. And I, I follow the fingerprint trail and I find this little kid on the floor 
who's covered in chocolate. I'm talking about this chocolate right around his mouth. There's chocolate in his ear. There's chocolate up his nose. There's chocolate everywhere. And I turned to him and I said, did you eat the chocolate? And he looked at me with the most angelic face and he said, no, daddy. (laughs) And then I realized Anne had taught him to lie. Because I hadn't. And when I asked Dad, did you teach him to lie? She says, no. So, so why is he such a professional liar? Because there's a sin nature. We're born with it. We're all born with it. And this is one of the things that God wants to take away from us, the sin nature, and replace it with a God nature. A God nature. Yeah. He wants to take the bias towards sin. See, and this is what the commandments can't do. You know, you have the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments is all about, you know, you're trying to be good, but we all break them. And God's saying, you know what? I want to put my spirit within you. So that this is not about you trying to be good. It's about my Holy Spirit changing your nature. So we go from a sin nature to a God nature. Now our bias is not towards evil. Our bias is towards good. And we become God lovers. Oh, how many God lovers have we got here? Give me a wave if you're a God lover. Because God lovers have got a bias towards the things of God. I'm unashamedly a God lover. Why is that? Because he's come into my life. He's changed my spirit. You know what he's done? He's taken out that unclean spirit and given me the Holy Spirit. You know, he did the same thing with Mary Magdalene. I mean, you know, there's, Mary Magdalene had seven unclean spirits. He removed that and placed within her his Holy Spirit. How beautiful is that? The old nature, we were destined for judgment with that old nature. We were destined for judgment. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says. But when God takes away the old things and gives us the new things, all of a sudden now we're destined for eternal life. Not for judgment, for eternal life. What a beautiful thing it is to have the assurance of salvation. Is there anybody here who has the assurance of salvation? Give me a wave if you're assured that the day that you die, you get presented before God. What a wonderful thing it is. What a terrible thing it is to await the judgment wondering, have I done enough good works? See, see, if you're one of these people that kind of think, have I done enough good works? Guess what? This is the answer. No, you haven't. He said, but I've done a lot of good works. If you do a billion good works, it's not enough to cover one sin. Because one sin is so offensive to God that a billion good works doesn't cover one sin. See, this is, this is the lie of the enemy. Oh, well, in the end, you'll get weighed in the balances. And if you've done more good than bad, then you'll be right. Who, who, who decides the balances? Who decides how much one good thing weighs versus one bad thing? Who decides that? Well, well, I don't know. The universe decides. No, let me tell you something. This is, this is, this is where we've put our confidence. It's a book called the Bible. And this is God's word to us. So what the Bible says does not change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one word. And so I can stand here with confidence speaking to you what I'm speaking to you. Why? Because I'm basing it on the word of God. Philosophers, their basis for belief is 
what their philosophy teaches. But their philosophy keeps changing year in and year out. And so the latest philosopher comes up with the latest teaching and everything changes. But this book has been established from the beginning. It's God's word. And by the end of time, we'll be judged on not what philosophy says, but what this book says. So as a preacher of the gospel, I have confidence that this book is true. The resurrection of Jesus Christ tells me that this is true. And so we're basing it on God's truth, not philosophical truth. And God's truth is this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But this is the grace of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the foundation of the gospel. And so we we have this assurance then because... We've received Jesus, that our sins are forgiven. And we don't have to stand in fear of judgment, but we have this hope of eternal life. What else does God want to remove from us? The kingdom of darkness and give us the kingdom of God. Remove from us those, that, that, that heading of being children of disobedience. And now we're children of God. And you know what? When this happens, then what happens is that we want to get baptized. Why is that? Because baptism is an outward sign of an inner change. Let me explain this to you. See, in our church, we don't baptize children. Why don't we baptize children? Because we dedicate children. We pray blessing upon children. We, we love children and we just want children to rise up and become all that God wants them to become. But baptism is an outer sign of an inward change. And so if a child has not had the inner change then we're not willing to give them the outward sign. And so what's, what, what, what goes on here? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question because let me answer it for you. See, what happens is that later on, you'll see it in a few moments, you'll see it. We'll have people that will get buried in that water. You say, buried in the water? We call it baptism, but it's actually, you'll see it. They go down into the water. You say, well, why do you say buried in water? I'm so glad you asked that question because that's exactly what happened to Jesus. He died and was buried. And he was buried for three days. Now, the good news for our candidates that get baptized is that we don't keep them underwater for three days. It's just three minutes. But no, not, not even three seconds. We just, it's just quick. They just go because it's an identification. But the beautiful thing is that they don't stay buried. They come up out of the water. And what they're doing is that I, they're identifying with the fact that Jesus didn't stay buried, but Jesus rose from the dead. And so we want people to be at a place where they understand that before we baptize them. But you know what? It goes beyond that. There's more. Everybody say, there's more. And there is more. Because not only is it an identification with the death and resurrection of Jesus... It's also an understanding that my old life is dead. That those old things, the junk of my past is dead. And what happens is that when they go down into the water, we're literally burying the old life. I'll never forget this because I was just a brand new pastor. I might have been 22. And we baptized. We were still in Adelaide at the time. 
And, um, and so Anne's brother, who's also a pastor, asked me, will you baptize this, this alcoholic that got saved? He was an old alcoholic and just done a lot of wrong things in his life. And, but he got saved and we baptized him. And, and, um, and after we baptized him, he got changed and he hung around the baptismal tank. And, uh, and, and you know, we pulled the plug out of the tank and... And, uh, and so we were just talking, and we said, so, so can we help you? And he says, no, I'm fine. And I said, well, it, it's time to go. He says, no, 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 I don't want to go home yet. He says, why, why? He says, because my old alcoholic nature is in that tank, and I want to watch it go down the plug hole. I want to watch it go down the plug hole. So as far as he's concerned, when he got buried, it was like his old nature, that old alcoholic nature was in the water. Because when he came up out of the water, it was no longer he that lived, but Christ that lived in him. He was no longer an old alcoholic. He was a redeemed saint of God. How beautiful is that? When you get baptized, you're a brand new creation. All things have passed away. That's why we don't sprinkle people. That's why we don't do babies. That's why we say believers only, because this is so important. But it doesn't stop there. There's more. Everybody say, there's more. (laughs) There's more? Yeah, there is more. See, in the Old Testament, if you belong to the people of God, then what you had to do was to get circumcised. So circumcision was a sign that you belong. Now, some of you are cringing right now, so let's just, let's just take it forward, okay? Just take it forward. Because in the New Testament, in the book of Colossians, now it says that baptism is the sign for the people of God. So we've got this outer sign. And, and the outer sign is that we're baptized. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, baptize them. Make disciples. Baptize them. And that's what we do. We baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because it's the sign that we belong to the family of God. Now, we don't teach here that you're saved through baptism. What we teach here is that You're baptized because you're saved. There's a big difference. And so it's got to come after. It's got to come after. So now now it's the sign. In the Old Testament, circumcision was the sign. In the New Testament, baptism is the sign. But you know what? We wear it with pride. You know what I've got on 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 my finger? How many of you can see what I've got on this finger here? It's a ring. Who said it was a wedding ring? Why, why, is it, why did you say it was wedding ring? Because it's on the finger that signifies that it's a wedding ring. And you know what? When people see this ring, you know what they say? They say, John is out of bounds. He's made a covenant with a woman until death do us part. And what a beautiful thing. You know what? I, I, I wear this ring with pride because it signifies a covenant that I've made. And baptism is my covenant with God. And I wear it with pride saying, I'm a Jesus person. He was not ashamed to die on the cross for me. I'm not ashamed to be buried in the waters of baptism with him. I'm not ashamed of him. But you know what? There's more. It doesn't stop. Everybody say, there's more. Oh, I'm so excited that you're right into this. Because see, we believe that there's not just a physical realm... We believe that there is a a spiritual realm. See, the Bible says that God is spirit, and he that worships him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so so God is here. How many of you believe that God is here? 
You've come to church, not for us to do ritual, but to encounter God. God is here. He's here in spirit. But so are the angels of God that are here. How many of you know the angel of the Lord encamps around those who believe in him, those who trust him, those that love him? The angel, I've got angels around me. How many of you know that, that we can't see them because we're looking in the physical and the spiritual? As there is God and angels, there's also the devil and demons, and they exist in the spirit realm. You say, John, you're spooking me out here. Hey, come on, we've got to go deeper. You can't just stay babies all your life. You've got to go deeper. And deeper is going into the spiritual things. And spiritual things are as real to us as natural things. Are you getting this? Come on. And so what happens is this. When you get baptized, there's a whole realm of the spirit realm that's watching. So God is overlooking the balconies of heaven and he's watching there's one of my God lovers getting baptized, they're following me. But not only that, we say to the devil and all the, the, the arch devils from hell saying, have a look, guys, I'm no longer in your kingdom. I've escaped from your kingdom. I no longer belong to your kingdom. I do not belong to the kingdom of darkness. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, I've exited the kingdom of darkness, and now I belong to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of God's marvelous light. And what a joy it is to testify to the spirit realm that I'm a believer, I'm a blood-washed saint of God. How many of you know that there, that you've you got to come to this church to hear that sort of preaching? Let me tell you something. And we keep doing it week in and week out with a lot of passion and a lot of oomph. Everybody go oomph. I love, I love the oomph. I'm finishing because we've got to baptize five people. But let me finish by saying this. Resurrection Sunday, two things were opened. Two really important things were opened. And we've already testified that on Resurrection Sunday, the tomb was opened. How wonderful is that? The stone was rolled away. The tomb was opened. Jesus came forth. Why do you seek the living amongst the dead was the word that was given to them. But let me tell you what else was opened on Resurrection Sunday. Are you ready for this? The door of heaven was opened. The door of heaven, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 the, the Apostle John looks up into the heaven and says, Behold, a door standing open in heaven. Jesus opened the door of heaven for all those who believe. What a wonderful thing it is that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will not have to fear hell. But if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the door of heaven is open to you. What a wonderful thing it is to know this. That the day I say goodbye to this world is the day I slip into eternity. And the door of heaven is open to me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's so important for you to understand this. That good works won't save you. That philosophy won't save you. That all the religions of this world won't save you. The only one who will save you is Jesus Christ. The one who went to the cross and died for you. The one who on the third day rose from the dead. And the one who will return. 
We believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. Does anybody else believe that? That Jesus Christ is coming back. And you know what? I believe it's soon. I don't think it's far off. I think the way that the world is going, that He's coming back soon. He's coming back to take us to be with Him forever and ever. I love that. He says, I be, Behold, I go and prepare a mansion for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you. How many of you are assured that if Jesus were to come back today, you would go and live with Him forever and ever? And, and why are you sure of that? Let me tell you why. Because you're in Christ and Christ is in you. So two things were opened on Resurrection Day that God opened, the grave and the door to heaven. But can I tell you a door that God can't open? Do you know that there's a door that God can't open? He said, what? Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 talks about a door that God can't open. And that's the door of your heart. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, what we see is that Jesus is standing at the door and He's knocking. Why is He knocking? Because He can't open it. Well, who gets to open that door? We do. This is where free will comes in. He asks. He's polite. He says, listen, I want to come into your life, but you have to let me. You have to believe in me. You have to believe that I, I will do good for you. You have to believe that I will turn things around. You have to believe that I'll give you a new start, a fresh start. And so many, many years ago, I opened the door of my heart and I let Jesus into my life. Many, many years ago, and I think was six when she opened the door of her heart and let Jesus, we've never regretted it. Not one day of our life have we regretted it. But we are just so joyous that we've done that. And today, He stands at the door of your heart and He goes, Can I come into your life? Can I come and forgive your sins? Can I come and remove from you all of your junk and put treasure in your life? Can I do that? And all you've got to do is say, Jesus, I believe in you. Come into my heart. And I will live for you from this day forward. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.